From Nashville, Tennessee, Southwestern Family of Companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, we share insights and inspiration for movers and shakers in the world of business. Our goal is to help you increase your self-discipline, overcome procrastination, and help you to take action on all the things that really matter. Breaking belief barriers, pushing past limiting beliefs, pushing yourself beyond your limits. That's what we're talking about today on the show. You are about to hear an interview with a guy who started a business and grew it to a $1 billion valuation in six years. Uh, Yeah. So he's going to talk to us a little bit about the mindset there of what's happened. And interesting, he's in sort of the health uh, space of both mind and body health. And I think it's really powerful. And there's there's some some really good lessons that come out from certainly from anyone who has that kind of experience and been on that sort of trajectory. Uh, his name's Tom. I think you're going to you're going to enjoy our chat. And then at the end, uh, as always, I'm going to go through and I'm going to I'm going to distill what I've learned down. And I was uh, packaging this up for myself in a five-step process to pushing past limiting beliefs. And so I'll organize those and talk through those um, to you and and how I internalize them for myself. So it is a great episode talking about mastering the mindset. And if you have big goals in your life, this is one that you definitely need to listen to. We'll get started just after this message. This episode is sponsored by Southwestern Coaching. Southwestern Coaching has helped over 11,000 people increase their incomes by over 25% on average. As a successful salesperson, you know the importance of increasing your sales, but sometimes you might just need a little extra push and accountability to meet your goals and grow your business. Southwestern Coaching will help you increase your income through one-on-one sales and leadership coaching tailored specifically to your needs. Together, we will elevate sales. To schedule your free one-on-one business action planning session with a Southwestern coach, go to www.southwesternconsulting.com forward slash action catalyst. He's the co-founder of a company called Quest Nutrition, and they were number two on the Inc. 500 fastest growing companies in 2014. Uh, they grew by 57,000% in three years. And it's now publicly known that they are valued at over $1 billion. And the coolest thing is that it's all about, uh, you know, body and mind wellness. And I think that's part of Tom's personal mission, which we will talk more about. Uh, he's a speaker also. He's got a book coming out here in the, in, the, in the upcoming future, and he's in the media all the time. And anyways, just a real practitioner and entrepreneur, leader, Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me on. So, your personal story, I feel like, is, is shapes part of the arc of your whole life, which was uh, that obesity actually is a part of your your background or your family's background. Like, what what was that all about? Yeah, so I grew up in in a morbidly obese family, and um, that certainly left an indelible mark on me. And people that I love continue to struggle pretty profoundly. 
And, you know, when I finally realized that chasing money just was not, at least for me, was not the path to fulfillment and that I really needed to be focusing on um, getting good at something and then putting those skills to use in service of something larger than myself, um, that really was a breakthrough for me. And, and the answer to how could I really love and be passionate um, every day, even if I was losing. And the answer to that question ultimately was Quest Nutrition, and my partners and I founded that for three very different reasons. But uh, for me, it was um, that, you know, growing up in a morbidly obese family and seeing what a difficult relationship some people have with food and seeing how unhappy it makes them to, um, you know, be in a difficult place physically um, – I, I wanted to help and I just felt like the answer that everybody else was putting forward, which was to eat less and exercise more, was never going to work on a global scale and it certainly wasn't going to work for all of my loved ones. So, you know, what could we really do about that problem that would work on a global scale? And the answer seemed pretty apparent to us, which was make food that people could choose based on taste and it happened to be good for them. And uh, so that was the mission that we set out with, which was to end metabolic disease by doing that, by making, um, you know, countless food items in many different categories that really people were just excited to eat, but they were good for you from a metabolic standpoint. Yeah. So, so I mean, you guys have potato chips. I mean, the, the core is the bars, right? That's definitely our biggest product to date. I think ultimately that probably won't hold true forever. Um, I mean, I guess it's possible. It's, you know, a super convenient way, but to get protein. But our goal really is to revolutionize the food industry and really get people to look at the food industry differently, um, which is, I think, exactly what has to happen. And I think that there has to be a total change in the way that people um, approach sourcing ingredients, manufacturing, like the whole supply chain for the food industry is really going to have to change if, if we're going to have the kind of grand scale impact that we want to have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that... That is why you got into the business. Now, for you guys to grow by 57,000% uh, in three years. So it started in 2010, is that right? That's correct, yeah. Okay, and so you were doing... Uh, I mean, you're. I know you don't uh, re release the revenue, but we're talking like very quickly. You guys were into the seven figures and then the eight figures. I mean, very quickly. How did that happen so fast? Um, it really is the magic combination of an incredible product, understanding something about marketing that other people didn't understand, and then just timing. People were ready for it. So you put those three things together and, uh, and then, you know, some, uh, real insights into manufacturing that other people hadn't made, which namely we had to make our own equipment, which was a huge breakthrough uh, that allowed us to make a product that previously everyone considered unmakeable. Uh, but anything like that, I mean, I'm sure um, your listeners know this maybe better than most. It's, you know, things are impossible if you believe they are, but they're only impossible for you. And for the person who comes along and believes it and can see the vision and is willing to do the hard work to execute, there is surprisingly little that's actually off limits. Um, so that was a, a big thing for us. And and the, on the marketing side, the real... Um, step forward was recognizing that 
social media wasn't just a distraction, that it was really something that was going to powerfully allow us to build community, which we believed was uh, just going to be at the core of what we were doing because we were coming off the back of building a technology company. It was really about money. And certainly, I'll speak for myself, I was showing up every day chasing money. That was it. My goal was to get wealthy. And I wasn't thinking about um, you know, who I was trying to become as a human being or what I wanted to do for the customer. I was just thinking about, you know, how do we make a lot of money? And I totally burned out on that. And I went into my partners and I quit and I said, look, I can't do this anymore. Like I need to be passionate. I need to do something that makes me feel alive. I need to love what I'm doing every day. And so they felt the same and it ends up being this really cathartic, beautiful moment. And we decide that we're going to sell that company and that we're never going to chase money again. We're going to build something that's predicated entirely on delivering value to the end consumer and that that's going to be our filter. That's going to be the driving force. So we're going to put a mission at the center of our business. We're going to think about that. Uh, we're not going to worry about, you know, maximizing every dollar. We're going to play the long game and, and really do something that we thought was beautiful for humanity. And once that was our driving force, once we could wake up every day and feel good about what we were doing, we could ignite our passions. I could show up thinking about, you know, my mom and my sister. It was so intimate. It was so personal for me. Um, then it became very easy to fight through all the things that we have to fight through to make the hard decisions, to go in and learn manufacturing, which is a massive undertaking. Um, and all of that, that confluence of all of that, of building community, being our own manufacturer, making something that had never been made before, really, really wanting good things for our customers. You just put that all together with the right timing and it just went crazy. There was something in your voice when you said your mom and your sister, man, that really seemed to be the essence. Is that, am I, is that, am I reading that accurate? Definitely. And there's a quote that's often attributed to Mother Teresa. I can't confirm that it was actually her that said it, but whoever said it is very powerful, which is nobody will act for the many, but people will act for the one. So once you have, you know, like you're saying, once you have that name at the top of the page and you know exactly who you're talking to, you know exactly who you're trying to help or um, touch, you know, whatever it is, like when it's real, when it's somebody you love and somebody you care about, like all of a sudden putting in the hard work, showing up, fighting through difficulties, it becomes so much easier because you know why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like the whole start with why, but very often our why is connected to a who. It's a person, somebody that we're trying to connect with or live for, or do something for in service, in service of. I think that is, that is pretty powerful, man. I want to come back to, um, you know, when you said, how did that happen so fast? You basically said incredible product, marketing, uh, that, you know, something about marketing that most people don't understand, timing and making your own equipment. And I know that the um, making your own equipment part um, I read a little bit about that when I was doing some research about you. So, so, so tell me, t tell us that story there about what happened and, and how did you end up making your own equipment? Well, we just assumed we were always going to be um, using a contract manufacturer. You know, we were marketers and that's what we knew how to do. And, and so we thought, okay, we'll go, we'll do the formulation. We'll take it to a manufacturer. They'll make it for us nice and simple. And we went to manufacturers and they also did the same thing, which is this bar can't be made. So if you want to make it, you're going to have to make con some concessions uh, because it, it just isn't going to run through the equipment. And so at that moment, I realized, okay, I think a lot of people have heard this before. A lot of people have formulated a bar um, that is what we're trying to make, which is, you know, delicious, but also good for you. But when they hit that obstacle, they, they didn't even think 
anything other than to change the product to fit the equipment. And when my partner suggested that we instead change the equipment to fit our product, um, which actually, in fairness, the first step was just, oh, we should do it ourselves because almost certainly they're just not working hard enough and, you know, they can't make it profitable. And that's really <laughs> the problem. And so we bought right. traditional equipment first and um, found out, hey, they're actually right. It actually won't run through this equipment. And my um, other business partner was looking at the equipment. He's an Iowa farm boy. He's looking at it and he's like, you know what? I actually think I know how to re-engineer this to make it work. And so he himself cut it apart, put it back together, and it worked. And that's when we realized, whoa, like if you're really willing to go all the way to figure out what you have to do to re-engineer, like there is nothing you can't do. And so we started, instead of just buying equipment off the shelf, we started either building things from scratch, working with engineers. I mean, this isn't like us with CAD. This is, you know, we're going out finding engineers that can help us do this, but designing our own equipment or buying equipment off the shelf and then restructuring it, re-engineering it so that it'll work for our product. So that was, um, that was really a big breakthrough moment. And it was one of the things that excited me most about um, working with my partners was just that mindset that we could do anything that we put our minds to. And, and that's always been intoxicating for me and is, been something that I've routinely, like even now with my new company, Impact Theory, it's about surrounding myself with people that think like that. Because when you have people that are ready to dream big and are prepared to actually do the difficult things that need to be done to execute on a massive dream, that's when really interesting things start to happen. Mm-hmm. It's a, I love that story and it had to be daunting like to, to hit that wall and but it's like I think we we often think about how obs- like we think about obstacles being these roadblocks, but it's more like they're it's like it's almost like they're detours. It's like it's like the obstacle is what ignites the creativity. If, like in 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 your case, uh, if you if a manufacturer had done it, I wonder what would have happened. Like I wonder if the business model would have changed if you would have just been able to do it. And how much more personal it's all become because you guys had to, you had to build it. Like you had to figure it out. Like you had to own it start to finish. Well, I think the most interesting thing that came out of that is not only that that gave us a competitive advantage, which it certainly did because nobody else, you know, we we had years worth of head start because we knew anybody else is going to have to go figure all that out as well. They're going to have to figure out the equipment side. Um, But it, it really changed the company. So we ended up um, by being in manufacturing, we were in low income areas, we were dealing with people that really grew up hard as employees. And, and again, speaking for myself, that really um, changed me. So I had worked in the inner cities uh, on a one on one basis with a kid that I worked with, I had had to be like about eight years. And because um, I, I went to USC, so USC is literally in the heart of South Central Los Angeles, absolutely atrocious neighborhood. Um, but they do really cool outreach programs. And so for one of my classes, I actually went and taught oceanography, which was my first introduction to the LA public school system, which was terrifying. <laughs> and then for another class, they had us do one-on-one mentoring. And that that's a long story, but um, I really connected with this kid and it was very clear that he was struggling in, in a profound way that I'd never seen before. So, I mean, this was just crazy. So I made him a promise. I said, as long as I live in Los Angeles, I will... I will help you. And so that ended up being an eight-year relationship until he moved out of Los Angeles. Um, and 
it, that really began this transformation in me of realizing wh- how powerful mindset is and that the biggest difference between me and this kid was I believed I could do anything I set my mind to. So even though I was, you know, undereducated, even though um, I didn't come from money, I just believed I could make all those things come true in my life and he didn't. And then manufacturing and being back in the inner cities again and, and touching all these amazing people, but they had these really limiting mindsets. Uh, it just really brought it home for me that my truest mission in life is to pull people out of the matrix, which is how I think about it. So the matrix to me, I mean, forget the movie for a second. The matrix to me is really, we all have this veil of lies that we pull over our own eyes about uh, limiting beliefs, things that we think we could never do or accomplish. And maybe society teaches us, maybe our parents teach us, maybe failure causes us to believe something that isn't true. And it's not until you can get rid of all those limiting beliefs and see just how powerful and adaptive the human mind is um, that you realize what you're actually capable of. And so that was a huge breakthrough. And that certainly wouldn't have crystallized, certainly not as quickly had I not spent as much time actually working a production line. I mean, I literally, so, cause we had a technology company that we were, that we kept for quite some time to make sure that this whole protein bar thing was going to work. And I was the first one to leave and go full time. So I was spending every day, you know, in a lab coat, wearing a hairnet and actually making protein bars. So I'm, you know, the way I, I saw it, I'm fighting side by side with these amazing human beings who have these limiting mindsets. And my job is to help them see a bigger, better, brighter world where they could do anything they want to with Quest or without. Like it didn't matter to me. I just wanted to see like beautiful things happen for them. And it became very clear that the, the real fight I was fighting was mindset. And so, I told people, look, making protein bars is just how you pay your tuition. But think of this as Quest University and you can become anything you want to become and I'll teach you anything and everything that I know. Um, you just have to come in and, and work really, really hard. And so that became like our rallying cry and we just attracted some incredible human beings. So for that reason alone, I am insanely grateful for the fact that we had to become our own manufacturer. So how, how do you do that? Like, so let's talk about the limiting mindset for a second, the matrix, as you call it. I know uh, at Southwestern Consulting, we have a thing called the creed. We've talked a lot about it on this show. You guys have the quest belief system, these 25 sort of uh, values, I guess, or principles, these mantras. And number one is that human potential is nearly limitless. And I know there's a, there was another one on there that I saw was that personal... Oh, it's number two. Personal growth is the highest priority of all the team members. So like when you have... How do you break free of that limiting belief? Like you're saying you had it, he didn't. You had it, the people on your manufacturing line didn't. How do you get out of that? At the end of the day, man, the hard truth that I've had to realize is that I'm a filtering mechanism. So somebody that doesn't want to change, they're not going to change. And for me to spend my time and energy on that person means I'm not helping somebody who's actually ready to change. So leading by example is the biggest. And you just look for people that respond to that. And then that's where you apply your energy. I make sure that at all times the door is open. So anybody that, hey, that morning they woke up and they realized they actually are ready to change, they can still walk through. It's you know not some exclusive club, man. I will take all comers. But um, at the end of the day, you, you've got to want to make that change. You've got to want to walk through that door. You've got to want to do the hard work of becoming a new person, of, of really developing your mindset around things that are advantageous. And I'll define advantageous as they move you towards your goals. So if you know, you're know you trying to 
um, be a linchpin employee. And if you've read Seth Godin's book, Linchpin, like that to mm-hmm. me really sums up what I think every human being should be striving towards, which is no matter what you do with your life, be great at it. Like I am, I am so freakish about that. And people that sort of, um, zombie their way through life and just punch in and punch out. Like I legitimately don't understand. Like one of the most beautiful things about being a human being is that you can learn anything. And so for people to not want to be great, like, and I'm talking about greatest of all time to really put in the energy to say, okay, look, Yes, sure. Maybe you need to pay the bills and maybe that's why you have a job. I get it. But if you need to be there, then you might as well be there in the extreme. You might as well commit totally to that, to becoming great at that because it's fulfilling. Like just for you, like forget about your boss, forget about anything else. For you to become great at something is absolutely intoxicating. So I'm putting that out there. I'm showing people what that looks like. I'm showing them the benefits of hard work. I'm showing them what it means to be proud of yourself, to really take pride in maximizing your potential. And for me, that's the name of the game. Like the name of the game is the human animal is an adaptation machine. Like you can get good at whatever. You can get good at tennis. You can get good at business. You can get good at art, like whatever. But you've got to dedicate yourself to that. And you've got to understand that there's a huge difference between having potential and actually expressing that potential. So that was what we were really trying to do. But, you know, to bring it all back to your initial question, some people will, some people won't. But is that so is it basically just a matter of the way it's it's education, right? It's it's learning some principles that help you you know, be, you know, understand and believe that potential is nearly limitless. And then it's modeling a certain type of behaviors and habits just repeatedly that, you know, you refer to as hard work. And then, the, and then obviously the, the willingness you talked about just being coachable and the, the actual desire to change is that, is that kind of the formula for breaking out of those limiting beliefs? Yeah. And I think the biggest one of those is, is just letting people see it. Right. And so when people are around people that make them feel better about themselves, that make them feel like they're capable of the extraordinary, like they want to be around that. And so you have to lay that out first. You've got to show them what that looks like. They've got to see somebody working hard. They've got to see somebody improving. And when you see that and you can believe that there's no difference between you and that person other than they put in the time to acquire the skills, that's when it gets really interesting. And the thing that always scared me is, you know, so often people try to write that off. They try to say, well, you're just good at that. That comes easy to you. It's not easy like that for me. And so helping people understand, like, don't make me or anyone else extraordinary as a way to let you off the hook. Like at the end of the day, assuming, look, there are minimum requirements to be sure. And if somebody is struggling with IQ so profoundly, you know, let's say they're below 70 or something, but like Richard Branson, I think has like a, uh, oh God, it's low. It's like 80 or 90 IQ. And the man is absurdly successful. So mm-hmm. there's minimum requirements, but once you meet those minimum requirements and I promise everybody listening to this show meets minimum requirements. So once you stop trying to make other people extraordinary as a way to like let yourself off the hook, that's when things get interesting and you really take responsibility and you, you know, you put in the effort. Nice. Um, so I have one other question to ask you before we do that. I haven't really mentioned this, but you're also the co-founder of impact theory, which, uh, is amazing. I mean, the guests that you've had, uh, the, you, these interviews that you do in this high quality production video studio, and I was watching, I was like, whoa, we need to pick up our game. And just, just what you said, like just being around it and seeing it, I was like, wow, 
there's an opportunity here for us to go to a whole nother level that I hadn't even really thought about, uh, you know, just because you guys, you do such a good job. Uh, where do people go to learn about you and learn about impact theory? And, uh, I mean, of course they can go, they can go find some hero bars from quest nutrition, uh, you know, out there, but what about connecting with, with Tom? Do they, where do you, where do you want them to go? I'm super active socially. So go to um, anything at Tom Bilyeu. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Um, it's all the same, Tom Bilyeu. And my last name is spelled B as in Bravo, I-L-Y-E-U. Uh, it really is me. So if something is attributed to me, it's <laughs> actually me. Um, so yeah, I am uh, I am on a mission right now to build uh, just a huge community. I think that that is absolutely the future of getting something done. And the whole idea behind impact theory is me answering the question, okay, here I am in the inner cities. I'm working with all these people that have these limiting beliefs. How do I scale that? Like, how do I pull as many people out of the matrix as humanly possible? And that's why it's called impact theory. It is literally my theory about how to impact the world from a mindset perspective. And so our goal is to become a bigger studio than Disney. Um, And the reason I use Disney is one, just to give people a sense of the scale that we're aspiring to. And then two, Disney, I think, understood things that no other studios ever replicated, which is like one of the first things you told me about your podcast is, hey, look, we're family friendly. And so no swearing. Okay, fantastic. Like, you know what your ethos is, you know, you and you gave me a ton of detail about the people that listen to this. I'm like, wow, like this guy really knows who his audience is. And he's really trying to deliver value. And so if I say to you, hey, I'm going to go see a Warner Brothers movie, you don't know anything about that could be a horror film could be a comedy could be a drama could be uplifting could be depressing. Pressing. Um, but if I say I'm going to see a Disney movie, you know something mm. about it. So Disney was mm. is the only studio, in my opinion, that's ever been disciplined enough to let every piece of content that they make make feed up into the ethos of the overarching brand. And so that's our goal: is every piece of content that we put out will it'll be entertaining, no question, entertainment first. But that underlying each and every piece of content that we ever put out will be introducing people to a growth mindset, showing people that you can do anything you put your mind to. And, you know, look, it's not going to be preachy. It's got to be something that's in the background, but movies that I wish we had made. um, I wish we had made Star Wars. I wish we had made The Matrix things, movies that literally changed my life. Like looking at the way that as silly as this may sound, looking at the way that Jedi's think is empowering to me, looking at the way that Neo transforms himself is empowering to me. So wanting to create pieces of content like that, and then we use the social side, so the interview show, to your point, we put out a lot of other shows as well, but using social commentary is a way to show people how to extract the meaning from the mythology. Nice. Well, we will put a link to that at Tom Bill you as uh, we'll put a link to that in the blog and the show notes and uh, tweet at Tom. Let him know what you thought about this. If you have any questions for him, uh, you know, Twitter at Tom Bill you and uh, tell him thank you and share with him some of some of the highlights. And man, Tom, I just I'm inspired by your heart for service. And that's that's a big part of what we believe in is uh service, 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 and and you're living it. And it's, boy, it's not just making a big impact. It turns out to be a great business model. So keep doing what you're doing, brother. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on the show, man. It means a lot. $1 billion valuation. That, uh, my friends, is a fast-growing company. A very fast-growing company. That And starting in 2010, I mean, that is insane. 
And uh, these these quests, they're called hero bars is the, is the core product. And it's they're supposed to be delicious. I've not actually had one. I feel like I need to go I need to go get one now. And uh, I'm fascinated by the culture. And I, you know, as I was researching, learning about more about Tom, you know, now we're vetting a lot of guests that people trying to come on the show, which is great because we're getting better guests for you. And we can be a little bit more picky, picky. And, um, you know, I just they really are all about I loved what he said when he said, you know, the idea wasn't to try to just get people to, to, you know, eat less and exercise more, but to build something that was delicious and have people choose it because of taste and it happened to be good for them. And what a great idea to just go, if we can serve people in the way they're already being served, in, in, if we can serve people according to their preference, and then we happen to, to make it something that's better for them, what a really, really great win. And I just thought that was a so, so powerful. And I think, um, I also really loved what he was talking about with Disney. I'd never really thought about that. I mean, I think of Warner Brothers as a successful you know, company, certainly in their space, but there is something too that, that he said that the discipline of, uh, you know, that, that nobody's had the discipline of, producing content inside of the same brand as Disney has. And I thought that was kind of interesting. So actually that leads me to what I wanted to share with you, um, which is just these, the sort of five step process. I'm going to call it steps. I think these happen sequentially, but as I'm studying my guests and then is spending time with them and then eventually interviewing them and, and having you participate in that with me. You know, I'm always trying to go, okay, what, what did I, what am I learning? Like, what did I just take away? And, and when I look at Tom and his, you know, his team, his partners, which I think are, are cool, how he, you could see the way he talks about, like, it's not his company. He's not the man. It's like me and my partners. This is very much how Southwestern consulting is, right? Like we're a team of partners and I love that. But as I am, digesting what I've learned from Tom, I think, uh, you know, that question, how do you overcome limiting beliefs? How do you blow past them? What does it take? Uh, and I think these are, these are five steps. And I've never really thought about that question in such a linear form because I think, you know, when you hear, oh, you have limiting beliefs, it's kind of a cliche thing, right? It's kind of trite, like, oh, you've got limiting beliefs. And, and I think a lot of people have thrown it around, but it, it really is powerful to go that it is our mind that sets the boundaries about what is possible for our lives. It's our minds that set the boundaries of what is possible for our lives. And if you don't intentionally extend those boundaries, then you will naturally live inside of those boundaries. And when you when you hear people like Tom, because like I think of Southwestern Consulting as a rapidly growing company. Well, the, but that's what he the kind of growth he's talking about is in a completely different stratosphere, even from us, uh, because that is like a rocket ship. And and you go like you know if somebody said, hey, we could grow fifty seven thousand percent from where we are, I'm going wow, like how did that? that is a different way of thinking, which is something I didn't actually ask Tom about. I, I know this about him, though, that he um, he is on the board of XPRIZE, which is uh, Peter Diamandis' company, and uh, you know, this whole thing. And I heard Peter one time talk about, he said, you know, if you're designing a car and 
you know, most cars get whatever, 25 miles uh, per gallon. He said, if, if you ask the question, how do we design a car that gets 35 miles per gallon? It causes you to re-engineer the car a little bit, right? Like you got to go, okay, we got to find some ways to streamline. We got we to gotta create some efficiency. So, and if we're going to create that sort of like linear growth, we have to streamline the way that we're doing things. But he said, if you ask the question instead, how can we build a car that gets 150 miles a gallon? Then you have to completely scratch the whole idea of what a car is and you have to start over from the beginning. And you're not just re-engineering something, you're completely recreating something. And that has always stuck with me in terms of like expanding our mindset and and pushing the limits and the belief barriers to like, where are we really and where can we go? And so, you know, I was asking Tom, I was trying to d- dig in a little bit. And, and so these are the, the five pieces that I pulled out, you know, from him. So number one is, it, I think it starts with belief. It starts with belief. You have to believe that you are capable of something more. And you can't just, you have to dispel the idea it's more like the very, the very first step of belief is dispelling the idea that you're not, right? Because you say, oh, I'm going to grow 57,000%. And then your second thought is, no, I'm not, <laughs> right? Like, that's crazy. That's impossible. How could I do that? And, and part of the way that's, part of the key to silencing disbelief is to affirm positive belief. Part of the way to silence disbelief is to affirm positive belief. And that's why affirmations are so important. You say it over and over and over again, right? This is possible. This is, you know, this is how I'm going to do it. And it causes you not to ask the question, is this possible? But to ask the question, how is this possible? And don't allow yourself the indulgence of saying, I could see how it would work for other people, but it would never work for me. Don't allow yourself the indulgence of convincing yourself that other people have something that you don't have. There, that is an indulgence because there's a payoff to it. And the payoff is that when you convince yourself that somebody else has it better than you, that there's some other set of circumstances that you don't have, or that there's some other reason why they could do it, but you can't, The payoff is you don't have to work. You don't have to try. You don't have to fight. You get to just sit and live in a comfortability of that excuse saying, oh, well, that would never work for me. Don't do that, right? Not if you want to go to the next level. So you have to have that belief and that takes intention. And second, you got to have the desire. Like you really got to have that desire. And we we hit on it a little bit because I heard it in his voice when he said, my mom and my sister, Right. And he didn't really talk much about it, but, and I go back and listen to it. I was like, man, that's it. Right. He wants to make an impact on the world. He wants to help the, the line. But, but what I heard from Tom was like that little crack in his voice when it was like my mom and my sister. And that is his why. And sure, he wants to help the world and sure, he wants to be successful and help his partners. But like, so, so maybe ask the question, who? You know, maybe part of your desire to be successful is is who? Who are you trying to provide for? Who do you want to to make a statement to? Who do you want to help? Who do you want to serve? And and maybe you should, in terms of finding your why, maybe instead of finding your why, you need to find your who. But you got to have a desire, and that's going to be born out of service. I think it's going to be born out of. Uh, serving something beyond yourself, I think is the most powerful. Um, number three, 
the third step is to be coachable. And you have to be hungry to learn. And you didn't get to hear this part of the interview, but uh, Tom and I chatted a little bit afterwards about some of the goals that he has uh, to do some of the things actually that we've done. And so I was getting a chance to share with him a little bit. And you could tell he was just a hungry like student, just humble. I mean, here you have a guy that's built a billion-dollar organization. He's interviewed many of the most successful minds in the world. And he's going, oh, yeah, Rory, how, could you help me with this? What about that? How does this work? And you just and, and you can see like he's on, he's on another mission right now that he's pursuing, which I'm sure you'll hear more about. But the, the, that idea of being coachable is going, okay, it doesn't matter how successful you've been somewhere else. When you're doing something new or you're pushing your limits, you have to let go of that pride, let go of almost let go of that uh, ego, right? And just say, okay, how can I learn? Number four is creativity. Number four is creativity. And that really came out in the interview to me. Obstacles ignite creativity. We think of obstacles as setbacks, but they're not. They're redirects. Obstacles ignite creativity. Having unlimited resources is one of the most dangerous things, I think, in the world for a business to have because then you can throw money at all sorts of stupid stuff. You, you have all these, all these different things you can try. And when you have obstacles, you, you have to be resourceful. You have to be creative. You, ha- you have to, you, you have to like, figure it out. You have to be that problem solver. And there's power in that, right? Like, there's power in having to find a way and figure it out because it forces you to find a better way. And that is an essential part of breaking through, you know, belief barriers. Because the reason why the barriers are there is because belief barriers are the byproduct of the way that we're currently doing things. Belief barriers are the byproduct of the way that we are currently doing things. So breaking through those belief barriers or those limiting beliefs requires often that we have to do things a different way, which means we have to be creative. And so obstacles, roadblocks cause us to be creative. They cause us to rethink. They cause us to go, not how do I create a car that has 35 miles a gallon? How do we create a car that has 150 miles per gallon? And it, it's, it's an important part of creating that, I think, you know, just breaking through. And then number five is discipline. Discipline, discipline, discipline. And uh, we didn't really come up in the interview, but uh, on their, their Quest belief system, which you can, you can search online, their number four, it's like their, our version of what we would call a creed, is that it, it requires focus and disciplined practice to acquire new skills. And it's amazing how many ultra-successful people that the more I get to know them, that D word shows up discipline, 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 doing the things you know you should be doing when you don't feel like doing it, doing the things that other people aren't willing to do. Discipline is where the execution takes place and it happens. And that's what I want for you, my friends. That is what, that's what I, that's what I dream of for you is that you achieve your wildest goals, that you break the belief barriers, that you knock down the walls and you do it through belief, desire, coachability, creativity, and discipline. And it's that simple. Not easy, but it's that simple. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Well, that about wraps up the Action Catalyst podcast for this week. If you haven't yet, please log in to whatever your favorite medium is to listen to the show and both rate this podcast and leave a comment as that helps new prospective listeners determine if the show's really a good fit for them. 
If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and screenshot this episode to share with your friends on social media. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst and subscribe to our video podcast on YouTube. Thanks for listening.